Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. And I want to share with you a heart as we go into 2021, and I probably do this message once a year called On Mission. I believe God has called us to live on mission, and every year I believe God wants to add to that mission. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. I just want to read the first three verses to us as we talk about what it means to live on mission. Are you there? Man, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. I'm glad I'm going to forever after this. Maybe they'll have better energy in forever. Um, <laughs> I got I to I I shoot my shot. I mean, maybe if I offend you, you'll, you know, you'll be with me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you, will, then you won't become weary and give up. You won't become weary and give up. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes here about living on mission. God has a mission and a focus for each one of us, and it's important that we stay the course, that we don't lose heart and don't give up and don't get weary. Can you say amen? amen. Now, of course, this year was extremely challenging, and, and there's so much that happened this year, but a couple of things that I was sad about this year, this is, this is going to sound vain, it's going to sound shallow, but it's the last Sunday of the year. I don't want to be morbid anymore. So I'm just going to share a couple of selfish things that I really missed about 
2020. Uh, number one is I was bummed when the movie theaters closed. Yeah. I, I was really sad. Again, don't judge me. I'm going to be shallow for a little bit because I know there was so much more at stake. And you're like, oh my God, why are you talking about movie theaters? Shut up. Let me have this moment. <laughs> Just let me have a moment. I, you know, my, movies is like my escape. You know, my, my day off is on Mondays. Usually I like to go to the movies early in the morning. I like it when it's just me and the people that work there. And there's been times when it's just me and the people that work there. You know, I like, I like to go, unless there's a couple of senior citizens, because they're not going to talk. You know, I hate it when there's teenagers at the movies. I love teenagers, but not at the movies. They talk too much. But that's my escape, so I miss that. I really miss just going by myself. And it's not, I don't even care what's playing. It's just like having a nice nap at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about it. You know, my wife's like, you're wasting your money. I'm like, no, that's a nap. It's not wasted. If I'm napping, it's a good day. The second thing that I really was, I was bummed about, again, I'm being selfish, was sports. I love sports. And when there was no sports, it was really sad. Because it was like, man, I can't watch Lifetime movies. <laughs> just can't. And I really missed it. And then the sports came back, but it came back weird because there was no fans. Like, if you like sports, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's something about having fans. And I'm a huge soccer fan. And so soccer without fans, it's just weird. It's just awkward. It's like, it's like a scrimmage. Like, it really, like, serious games. It felt like practice. We're talking about Practice? Little Allen Iverson joke there. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the passage we just read says that you are surrounded by this great cloud of witness. Right? And the picture that the Bible is giving you here is actually a sports picture. It says, listen, because you are surrounded, right, like, like the fans will, will, will fill up a stadium. There's nothing like home court advantage because you know these people are with you and they're going to be cheering you on. And we found out very quickly that fans do matter. They matter big time. Right? Even like these glorified superstars who think they, they so such much, Right? Realize that, man, the energy is not the same when you don't have your fans in the house. So picture this, right? The Bible says that we are surrounded by this such great cloud of people. Like, picture a stadium filled with people that have gone before you. They live by faith. And now here they are on the stadium of faith. And they are cheering you on and saying it's your turn to play the game of life. And here you are, ready to run your race. And they're, they're going, you got this. And, and we're with you. And, and we're for you. Can you imagine on the stands, people like Moses and, and David and Jonathan and Paul cheering you on? Like, this is the picture that the Bible is trying to give you here. And this, this, what we just read is a continuation of chapter 11. You have to go back, and I hope you go back and read 11 and 12 to get the full picture here. Because what the Bible is doing here is, is showing you how to live on mission. 
And Hebrews chapter 11 starts with the definition of faith. It says, listen, faith is the confidence of things you hope for and the assurance of things you don't see, right? But it doesn't just give you definition. It says, now let me show you how to live by faith. Let me give you examples of people over the years who have done this, who have lived with this confidence, who have lived with this assurance. And these are the people that are now understands they've done their part. Now they pass the baton to you and says, now your turn to live by faith. Your turn to trust God. Your turn to do what God has called you to do. And, and, and what I love about it is the way chapter 11 ends is passing the baton. The chapter 11, like uh, the Bible never has a final final unless you get to Revelations. But every other book is always a continuation to say like, no, no, now it's your turn, right? So look how Hebrews 11 ends, right? It ends like this. All these people, right? People like Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Esther and Ruth and, and Jonathan, like all these amazing people who live by faith, right? All of them, all these people earn a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them receive all that God had promised for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. How awesome is that? Right? Like, they did their part. They played their role, but God's like, no, no, it's incomplete. There's more people to come. So go ahead and take your place in the stands and cheer on the next generation. Cheer on the next group of people. And friends, understand this. My wife hit me with this a few years ago, and, I, and it just stuck with me. She said, you, we are living our Bible stories. This is our story. This is our faith story. But one day, what we have done here will be recorded in the book of faith. That those people in New Bedford, in Fall River, in the South Coast, they did their part too. And they pushed the narrative forward. Like, I love this picture uh, uh, because it makes me want to get up in the morning. Knowing that I have a purpose and I have a plan. And I am part of an amazing lineage of people who've been doing this for centuries. Like, we didn't come up with this. I hope you understand this. Like, it's not our idea. Like, when people say, oh, it'll be a good idea to go to church. No, it's God's idea for you to live by faith and to do his will and his bidding on this life. So, my friends, you, if, if this is true, this should stir up our hearts. We got to ask the question, man, if, if I am part of this lineage of faith that's been going on for centuries, then I got to ask how will I live my life? How would I live my life? If this is true, if God has tagged me with faith, how would I live my life? A better question is, what will be my contribution to this? Because these people made what we call the Hall of Faith. When it comes to sports, that's the ultimate compliment. When you're done playing and you go into the Hall of Fame, this is what this is, right? I'd rather go into the hall of faith than to any hall of fame in sports. Because this means like God knows me. This is God who inscribes you into the hall of faith. This is not man. Like some people on this earth will be known by man, but they won't be known by God. God has his own hall of faith. And, and, and go ahead and read Hebrews 11. It will list those people. And he says, man, I don't even have time to list all of them who have gone before us. So my friends, today, as we end this year, I want you to know that you matter. Yeah. 
because you have a calling on your life. You have a calling from God on your life. And you're going to hear me say this a lot in the beginning of 2021. Many a call, few are chosen. Not that God wants to choose few, but many are called, but few listen to the calling that he has over your life. Listen, here's why you matter and here's why you are called. I pray you understand this and, and wrestle with this. There are things only you can do. There are things that only you can do. I am limited as a person. You are limited as a person. But imagine if all of us heed the calling, there are things that only we can do. And together we can do a lot if we let the God of the universe lead us. Listen, there are people only you can reach. Some people won't talk to me. Because automatically, when you say you're a pastor, there's a stigma. You should see how funny it is when people don't know that you're a pastor, and then they find out you're a pastor, how they change. <laughs> like, their language changes. <laughs> like I, one time, I, I was in California on a conference, and, and my Uber driver was doing his thing <laughs> with his mouth. Then I, I don't know how, I, don't, I never like to tell people I'm a pastor. I like to tell people I mean insurance. <laughs> I mean life insurance. <laughs> but he finds out I'm a pastor, all of a sudden he's like, wow, your mouth just got cleaned. <laughs> it's amazing. But what I'm trying to get to is that there are people only you can reach. Because God has positioned you to reach certain people. My friends, this is a question that I pray resonates with you all year long. This is a question that I want us to go into 2020 with is, what will God do through you this year? We always ask the question, God, how are you going to bless me? I'm, I'm, I'm saying, let's go deeper. God, how are you going to use me this year? Because God will bless you, trust me. If you are useful, he will bless you. God, please take this question with you and pray over this, especially during prayer and fasting. What will God do through me this year? There are some things that only you can do. Because you are uniquely positioned by God. This is why we are always pushing for people to not just come to church. You're missing 99% of your calling when you just think you're going to a building. And worst, you know me, this is my pet peeve. I dislike church hopping. Because church hopping says, God, what are you going to do just for me? There's a difference between being a contributor and a consumer. Some people, all they do is consume. What's in it for me? This is not working for me. I got to go to find another place that works for me. And next thing you know, you have no legacy other than here lies a church hopper. He was like a bunny. And if that offends you, good. I hope so. Because it should light a fire in us to say, no, I'm, I'm going to be rooted and grounded in a place where God can use me. How will your life affect others for the better? 
Because I believe God puts us on this earth to affect people for the better. Not to be neutral, but to be a positive impact. And I don't mean like everybody you meet, you're going to have that effect on. Because I believe this, when you live in our mission, you will have a negative effect on some people who don't want mission. And you have to be okay with that. I have no problem with people having a problem with me because I'm on mission. What other people think about me is none of my business. <laughs> but what God thinks matters. Notice what he says here. He says, listen, you are surrounded with such huge crowd of witnesses. Like, those are the people are cheering you on, right? You have a fanhood, a faith fanhood of all these people who have done it before, right? So he says, look, look, strip off every weight that's slowing you down. Because the picture, again, is you're in a race. Remember we talked about the guy with the little shorts? (laughs) You can't. Shake that image. <laughs> this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you can't be running with too much weight on. It's going to slow you down. Right? And now this is where he gets personal because you have to figure out what are those weights that are slowing me down. Because it's not one size fits all. It's hard to run with Tim's on. Yeah, well, but uh, what are the Tim's that are holding you back? See, every year, right, one of the number one resolutions in the world is I need to lose weight. (laughs) But here the Bible is saying, no, you need to lose spiritual weight. It's not just physical weight. Because I've said this before, you could be physically in shape and spiritually out of shape. Like there's some people who are buff physically, but it's like they have nothing going on spiritually. And then there's some people who spiritually are fit, but that's like, you could be better if you were both. Because <laughs> you can run better, <laughs> and you can last longer, <laughs> right? So the Bible is talking about, like, listen, we need to get in spiritual shape. And you need to strip away what's slowing you down. And then he says, what are some of the sins that's stripping you up? Right? This is where it gets personal. What's slowing you down? What's stripping you up? In other words... You don't need any extra weight on this journey, on this race that you're in. This is where a lot of people go wrong. They do have a calling, but they are so bugged down with so much stuff that they can't understand that the calling is more important than the weight. Listen, let me say this. Sin was never the point of your story. Sin is a distraction. Too many churches put too much emphasis on sin. I don't like that kind of preaching. Because here's why. In the Bible, your identity is one of a saint, not a sinner. Did you know that? Like, you can't read one New Testament book without a sliding with to the saints. What is a saint? It's an identity that I am in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I am forgiven. I am justified. I'll be made acceptable to God. Right? So, it would be a waste of my time and your time to sit here and tell you what you're not. I'm supposed to tell you what you are. Too many messages focuses on what you're not. Which is, in other words, why are you reminding me of what I'm not? I want to remind you what you are. You are a saint, saved by the grace of God. So, when 
there's a sin that's tripping you up, that should be something you want to get rid of, not wallow over it. Are you tracking with me? Like, we shouldn't be sitting wallowing in our misery that we have sin. No, we should be kicking that thing off the curb and say, man, I got to focus. I have a mission. I have a drive. I have a purpose. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. Listen, because, listen, the reality is, whenever you're not living on mission, you're already missing the point. And missing the point is sinning. That's what it is. Right? So, my friends, living for God is the point. It's not, what can I do not to sin? You're missing it already. Like, I don't like it when people live a defensive life. I'm not doing anything wrong. That's the wrong question. question is, what are you doing right? Because if you're doing right, you don't have time to do wrong. (laughs) Come on, that's a good word. I've seen too many Bible studies where it's just about breaking down the word sin and how terrible we are. But it's like, man, that's beating a dead horse. Let's talk about what God created us to be. Let's talk about the fact that he says, I created you with purpose. I created you good. I created you to redeem you, to restore you, to empower you, to go make a difference. What will God do through you this year? It should be your focus. Can you say amen? Amen. So my friends, it goes on to say, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, he says, is the champion, right? In other words, it's like, man, you, you have a role model. You have someone who has gone before you. You have someone who has done this the right way for you to look at. Not only is he your role model, but he is the one who has paved the way for you. All you have to do is blaze the trail that's already in front of you who was set by Jesus himself. That's why we say every year, we start with Jesus, we stay with Jesus, and we end with Jesus, Right? So, question that you got to ask yourself is, how do I stay on track? And what is the track? <laughs> right? I think that's important. Like, what is the track? Like, what are we running here? Because I need to know what the target is. Right? Because when you're running, you have to know, like, there's different types of running. There's the, there's the, the sprint there's the huddles, right? And then there's the marathon, and then there's the capathon. Like, there's so many ways to run this race. And I would say the Christian race is all of the above. Sometimes you need to run really fast. Sometimes you need to pace yourself. Sometimes there's huddles in the front. Sometimes you got to swim. There's <laughs> times you got to, like, help Jesus. 2020, you have to do all of those. And you made it here. So, my, my friends, let me give you a couple of clear focus that Jesus has given us to, to know, if, am, I, am I on track here? Am I on track with what Jesus had in mind about this mission? First thing that's above everything that Jesus talks about, uh, living on mission, is what we call the great commandment. The great commandment is found in Matthew 22. When someone asked Jesus this question, they said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Keep going. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law 
And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. We call this the great commandment. You want to know if you're on a mission? You got to ask yourself the question, am I loving God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength? And am I loving my neighbor as I love myself? If you want to know Jesus' barometer, if you want to know Jesus' scorecard, this is what he looks for. This is why we call it the love God and love people. Right? So the question is, as I go into 2021, am I getting better at loving God and loving people? Because that's what God's looking for. This is God's barometer when it comes to the mission is, am I getting closer to his heart and am I getting closer to reflecting his heart to others? Are you tracking with me? You know, the saddest thing that could happen to people that have seen this is, you could be in church for many years, you're not loving God and people better. Sometimes it gets worse. Why? Because we're here, but we're not on mission. There is a mission. It's to know this God better, and it's to love people better because of this God. Can you say amen? amen. Then the second thing, this is how, to me, these two things is what summarizes the mission. It's the great commandment and what we call the great commission. Jesus came back from the grave, and he gave the disciples this commission. He says this, look. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So my friends, we have two major Focus for this mission. The great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is to love God and love people. The great commission is how you love people. Because it's not, we're not talking about love as a feeling. We're talking about love as an action. So my friends, this is it. Like if you're serious about following Jesus and living on mission, this is the scoreboard. How are you doing in these areas? How are you making disciples? How are you teaching them? This is why we celebrate the numbers that we celebrated because this is the commission. This is what God has called us to do. If we're not doing this, my friends, we might be doing church, we might be doing religion, but we're not doing Jesus. This is the calling that Jesus has put on his people. See, this is the problem with church hopping. This is the problem with, with not living on mission is that we'll make it about everything else other than the mission. The word commission means you have been called to a mission. Like, like you've been anointed for a mission. Right? And when you're not doing that, then you're off mission. Anything less than making disciples and baptizing people and teaching them the ways of Jesus is being off mission. When we start to compare churches, when we start to compare preachers, when you start to compare Bible verses, when you start to compare who's more holy, who's more woke, you've missed the point of what the mission of the church is. Because this is what Jesus is looking for. Let's get better at living on his mission, not what we decided the mission is. Are you tracking with me? Friends, I want to say this again. We're not here because this is a good idea. We're here because this is a God's idea. This is God's idea that we, a local church, would get together to do this and continue to get better at it. Because if not, we are, we are wasting our time. And I don't know about you guys, I don't want to get up early on a Sunday morning to waste my time. 
I want to get up early because I have a mission and a focus and a drive. And I want to see more and more people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want to play my role. And I pray you want to play your role in seeing that. The way we do that, my friends, is that church is a team game. There's no I in church. It's all about we. And when you read this thing, it's all about community. There are no superstars in this thing except for Jesus. And that's the good news, that everybody can play in this team. And you don't have to have certain prerequisites to play in this team because Jesus has called all of us to play. But the thing is, though, you have to buy into a team mindset. And you have to buy into a we mindset. The church was made for us to fulfill the mission that God called us to together. I am never concerned about the world hurting the church. Never. The world cannot touch the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I get more concerned with insiders making church about them than I get about the world. I'm never worried about the atheists, whatever they're doing. I'm never worried about the Muslims. I'm never worried about that. But I am worried about so-called believers making it all about them and how comfortable can they be and what church can feed them as opposed to us being on mission for the glory and honor of Jesus. So let me give you five practical things to live on mission when it comes to being part of this church, the local church, but just the church of Jesus. Five things that we cannot lose focus of. Number one is this. If you're going to be part of a team, well, you have to attend. That's the number one thing is you must never miss church. Think about it. If you're part of a team, you have to be there. By the way, here's another Christianese that I don't subscribe to. I don't subscribe to, I'll be with you guys in spirit. I'm not one of those guys. You're either here or you're not. I'm not with the, I'll be with you. No, we're serving people. We're helping people. Are you going to be here with us doing it? Or if not, don't give me that Christianese. Clearly, I'm talking to the wrong people. You are here. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. But my friends, 2020 has made it easy for us to create bad habits. And you know who would love those habits? The enemy. The enemy would love for you to make church optional. Like today. Like a lot of churches are not open today. But guess what? I'm not responsible for any other local church. I'm responsible for this church. So to me, missing church only if I am deathly sick or I'm on vacation. Other than that, I'm going to be a church. Because for the last 22 years of my life, I've never missed church for no reason, and I'm blessed for it. There's never been, listen, I will never regret going to church. I'll regret a lot of things in life, but going to church will never be one of them. Because I'm always winning when I'm in the house of God. Always. Look at what Hebrews says, same, same book. He says, look, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This is basically what we just read. The great commission, the great commandment. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now 
that the day of his return is drawing near. I don't know about you. I want to get as close to Jesus in his house as possible. Now, of course, here's what people say. Well, you don't have to go to church to love Jesus. That's true. And also, I don't have to go home to be a husband. And I don't have to be at home to go home to be a dad. But I can claim that I'm a dad. But being a dad and a father is two different things. By the way, those people have never read Jesus because Jesus said, I will build my church. (laughs) Jesus never separated himself from his church. We do that. So either I agree with Jesus or I agree with people who want to create theology to fit their own purpose. Are you tracking with me? I want to be a present dad in a home. I want to be a present husband in a home. Not someone who just has the title on the page. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. But I tell you, Christianese burns me up. I'm just going to move on because I have to go to Fall River. <laughs> I have to hit them with this too. Um, number two is that you, if you're part of a team, you have a role. No one is part of a team without a role. Like right now, it's the NFL season. There are 53 players on a roster. They all have a role. If they're not, they don't have a role, they get cut. So think about that, right? If God's creating a team, then you have a role to play. It can't just be, I showed up. Like, I don't know if that would fly with Belichick. Shut up, coach. Like, no, if you don't have a role, why are you here? For us, that's why we have teams, right? And... These are the teams, my friends, that we have that makes us who we are. And I just want to take a moment and thank God because everyone on these teams play a massive role for us to fulfill the mission and the calling that God has for us. So I am grateful for all of you. This year, between this campus and forever, 529 of you serve God in some capacity, in some way. And to me, my friends, that is the church of Jesus Christ. That's how this works. And there are 16 teams, and each team has sub-things in them, which tells me there's got to be something for you. It has to be. If I want to play my role, there's got to be something that I can say, put me in, coach. I didn't just come to watch. You can even be a water boy. That's a role. I would love to be a water boy in an NFL team. Watch the games. <laughs> Next to the players, here's some water, Brady. <laughs> By the way, man, Brady, hello. He did his thing. But I am a New England Patriots fan. I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) The third way that you know you're living on mission is that you contribute not just with your talent, but you contribute with your giving. Go to my next slide. Those who are on mission tied to the mission. It's biblical. We didn't come up with the stuff. God did. Look at what he says in Malachi. He says, bring all the tithes, which is the 10%, into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. 
If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour, pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. This is the only time God says to test them. Yeah. The entire Bible. God's like, man, you, you want to see me bless your life? Learn to put me first in your finances. And, 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 and learn to make sure that you understand that there will be enough food in my temple. Do you understand? Listen, this is where people miss it when they're not on mission. It was never about money. Jesus said, your money is where your heart is. I love the, the, the translation that puts it this way. It says, like, your, your money follows your heart. You want to know where your, your heart is? Is where your money goes. Like, nothing, like he said, like, there's nothing that will divide you more than your money. Because you can't serve God and your money at the same time. You have to know where your blessings come from. And this is a tough one for people who worship money and think that God wants their money. It's never about that, my friends. It's about the mission. Did you know this? Like, we don't like to broadcast this. But because of the generosity of this house during COVID, when people were struggling to make ends meet, you know that we have spent about $80,000 helping people pay their rent, their mortgage, because of the mission of this house. That's what church is all about. When the pandemic first started, I would come to the office on Tuesday morning and there would be a line of people out there waiting for us to bless them with a gift card so they can go buy groceries. Because how can we do that? Because we have people who give into the mission and understand this thing is bigger than me. It's about blessing others who might be in need. Can you say amen? While we're in the subject, like people don't realize, like they come in here, they're like, oh my gosh, look at this place. But they don't realize that every month we have to pay $20,000 to be here. Salvation is free. <laughs> but Shaw's. <laughs> right? So, and can I tell you something as a pastor? You know how like messed up it is when people accuse you of wanting money? It's like, that's the last thing on earth I want to do. But we have a mission, and it requires finances to do it well, to do it excellent, to do it with, with the power and the grace of God in a way that it, is, it excels who God is. That's what we do what we do. That's why we tithe every week. And, uh, and I, and I want to give a shout out to our church because even through the pandemic, we never stopped giving to the mission, and we're able to be faithful. That was a big deal. Here's why this was a big deal. I was, I was having Zoom calls with pastors from all over New England, from, from New Hampshire to Connecticut to, to uh, other parts of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And the concern was a lot of churches won't be able to make it because how are they going to pay their bills? That was a big concern. And for us, I tell you, I tell you what, I, God's honest truth, we didn't miss one bill in one moment because the church kept giving and kept being a blessing. And we're getting ready to buy a house to house the homeless because the church is generous, that we can buy a house, take people off the street, and give them a chance. This is what you sow into when you give to the mission. Can you say amen? amen. I got to run. I got two more points. Are you guys good? You want to be on mission, you, you got to join a crew. You got to join a crew. You can't do life alone. You need a group of people. As you saw, we had over 1,200 people in a crew this year. That's over 100 crews that meet together to continue to grow in their relationship with the Lord and each other. 
And we get this from, again, the scriptures. The church started this way. In Acts, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into fellowship, into sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, into prayer. That's what a crew is. It's going deeper. It's developing friendships and connections and serving together and honoring God together. And if you were part of a crew this past year, make some noise. I'm so thankful that you were were part of a crew. And lastly, this is, this, is, this is the heart of this church. This is what God put in our hearts seven years ago, is that we would be a church that will always be concerned about the in church. I never, my friends, this is personal. I never want this church to become about just itself. That to me is a nightmare. I don't want to go to a church where I know everybody's name. Like we in a bar. I want to go to church where people are always getting saved, always coming in, always learning, always growing, so that there's always more people that need to be reached for the gospel. And listen, if that doesn't burn in your heart, you need to pray for God to give you his heart. Because here's what Jesus said about this. Jesus said this, look. He, this was some religious people who were criticizing him for hanging out with some shady characters. They didn't approve of. Look what Jesus says. Jesus overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what the scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not cuddle insiders. That, my friends, is the heart of Jesus. And that should be our heart for the things of God. We never want to feel like we have arrived. We're here. We're good. The way I look at it is this. There's always one more person that needs to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And think about it. If that person was a loved one that you care about, you would do everything within your power to get them in the house. If it was a cousin, a brother, a sister, an uncle, you would do everything you can. Like, think about this. This, this is what helps me. If, if someone you love all of a sudden was diagnosed with a terminal disease, but there's a cure, but you need to raise a certain amount of money, it doesn't matter how much that money was. You would do everything within your power to raise that money to get that person the cure they deserve. My friends, sin is a terminal disease. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. He gave his blood as a transfusion for life. And there's always one more person who needs to come to know him, and we can never get comfortable to say, I'm in, so it doesn't matter. No, it's about outsiders. It's about thinking about one more person. What will God do through you this year? Who will come to Jesus because you made a way for them? You prayed for them, you invited them, you discipled them, you were there for them. Like, it's the greatest investment you will ever make in this life is what you did for others that will echo in eternity. Can you say amen? amen. My friends, this is five ways to live on mission throughout the year. If I'm constantly asking God, what will you do through me this year? I won't get comfortable. I won't get sidetracked. I won't make it about other things. Because I have a focus to live by. And I am surrounded by all these people who have gone before me. I hope you you see that picture. I hope you see a stadium filled with faith people who are saying, go for it. Go for it. Leave your mark. 
Leave your legacy. Leave something behind that others can pick up and say, I want to do that. Parents, let me tell you something. Your kids are watching you. They're smarter than we give them credit. They pick up every little thing. We always talk about this. My little guy, the youngest one, the other day said, Dad, I, you pray different. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you, you speak in lips. You go, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I speak your lips. I like that. <laughs> but it was funny the way he was doing it. He was walking around the house like, Dad prays like this. <laughs> but you know what? I pray that becomes his normal. I want to pray in a way that my kids can mimic at early age, but then they can make it personal and become their own prayer in their own way. And I want to serve God in such a way that they can say, man, my dad left a legacy behind me. I need to pick up my baton and follow him and pursue God the way he pursued God. <laughs> Parents, we have that. Come on, stand with me as we pray this morning. Let's go into this new year on mission. Yes. Focus. Driven. And if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, it starts there. If you're still running your own life, you're going to make your own resolutions, you're going to make your own plans, and it's all going to fail. But with Jesus, whatever you do echoes in eternity. And he says in his word, he said, man, not one person who comes after me will leave empty-handed. Not one. I've never been disappointed with Jesus. I've been on mission for 22 years now. I'm excited to go on another run with Jesus this year. And I pray we all are coming along and letting him have his way. Would you pray with me? Lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm open. I'm willing. I want to live on mission. Jesus, come into our lives. Let the power of your Holy Spirit come fall fresh on us. God, come dust off all the things that have gotten away. God, strip off the weight. Strip off the weight. God, we want to run freely. We want to be fast. We want to be able to get over the huddles. We want to be able to go the, dis the distance. We want to be in good spiritual shape. So Holy Spirit, come. Come have your way. Bind us together as one church on mission. Focus. God, I pray this year we're going to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. We're going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we're going to go and make more disciples and teach and baptize and train and direct and lead more people to you, Lord. Spirit of God, come remind us that it's all about you. You are at the center of our lives. It's all about you, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray, fall fresh on us today. Let there be a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit over us. Would you pray that, Lord, come on come upon me. I pray for a fresh anointing, fresh power, fresh revelation. Come Holy Spirit. Fill your people. Fill your people. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.